go before the Lord in prayer as we begin uh, studying his word today from Acts chapter uh, 4. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, thank you, and praise you for your presence here with us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you um, uh, indeed are here. Wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. And uh, Lord, once again, we just simply invite your presence to be among us again, that you would speak to us through your word, uh, that you would open our, our hearts and our minds uh, to what you have to say to us today. And Lord, I pray that you would continue this process within our hearts of renewal, of revitalization. Uh, Lord, that we would be renewed and revitalized in our relationship to you through this gift that you've given to us, this gift of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of prayer. And we thank you, Lord, that we can live in communion, in relationship to you. And Lord, teach us today that, that things don't always go well, that, that there are difficulties, that there's even pain in this life, but that you rule and that you reign over all. And give us boldness as a congregation in our witness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it is good to see you here today at Maple Park Church. I'm Pastor Adam, and I just want to extend a warm welcome to you if you're here for the very first time. We're glad that you chose to come to this service to hear God's word and to respond to what he has to say to us in songs of worship and of praise. We believe that, that prayer is a key part of our spiritual development as disciples of Jesus Christ. We have been called by Jesus into a life of discipleship, a life of learning, a life of following Jesus. And we believe that a key, a key component of that is, is our relationship with God through prayer. So do you know what I'm praying? Because I believe that, that prayer is so vital. I am praying, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Because when I look at my own life, I realize that, that my prayer life isn't where it should be. So I'm right there with you. If, you. if you struggle with prayer, if you struggle in your relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm right there with you. I'm praying, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me about the power of prayer. Lord, teach our congregation to pray. Help us to learn what it means to open the door of our heart to you, to let you into our lives. Teach us what it means to live uh, with this attitude of helplessness before you. Help us to, to learn what it means to live before you in faith and trust, believing that you are our only hope. So Lord, teach us to pray. And I know many of you are being moved to deeper prayer through our life group studies, through these sermon series, through this emphasis on pray first. And I'm so grateful to God that God is on the move, that he is moving in your hearts so that you would move into a, into a deeper place of prayer. I had a visitor to my office this week and she gave me this quotation on prayer from the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon in one of his sermons says, prayer takes people to the, to the bank of faith and it obtains the golden blessing. 
So Charles Spurgeon says, mind how you pray. He says, pray with an exclamation point. He says, make real business of it. Never let it be dead formality. A relationship, a connection to God through prayer. The apostles, the early church, they made business of prayer. Prayer for them was of top priority. And today we're going to learn from the example of the prayers of the first church. The church in the book of Acts was about the business of prayer. And they were about the business, not only of prayer, but of of the mission that Jesus gave to them, and that was to go and to preach the word of God. And as they preached the word of God publicly, their ministry was accompanied by signs and wonders and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles that gave testimony to the reality of Jesus' resurrection. So in Acts chapter 3, in order for us to understand before we get into our our text for this morning, we have to go all the way back to Acts chapter 3. To Acts chapter 3, verse 1. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, we we read that, that Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. So Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray. And as they entered into the temple through the gate, which is called Beautiful, they saw a man who had been laid there. And, he, and, the, and the Bible says that he was disabled, that he couldn't walk from birth, that he had never walked before. And that man was laid at the temple gate to beg. Every day, some people brought him there so that he could beg for money. And that's how he made his living. He made his living by laying at the temple, begging for money. And Peter and John entered through that gate, and there they saw the man who had been disabled from birth laying there. They look at him. Uh, the disabled man assumed that they, they were going to give him money. But, but the apostle Peter looked at him and says, I'm not going to give you money today. He says, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. I don't have any money to give to you. But that which I have, I give to you. Did you know that we can be a powerful church? without any money in our bank accounts, if we have absolutely nothing, if we didn't even have a building, we would still be able to have a powerful impact in this community because of what we have, and what we have is Jesus. That makes us rich. Rich beyond anything that anybody could ever count. So Peter looks at the man who was laying at the gate And he says, I don't have any silver or gold. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the man's ankles become strong and they help him to his feet. And he realizes that he can walk for the very first time. He didn't even have to learn to walk. God gave him the ability even to walk, and he had never walked before. And he began to leap and to shout and to praise God in the temple. And everybody noticed. The man 
who had been disabled from birth is not only walking, but he is leaping and he is shouting and he is praising God. And so everybody wondered what happened. This gave Peter an opportunity. Peter was given an opportunity to basically say, you know, what you see here today has nothing to do with us. This, this is Jesus. This is Jesus at work. It is Jesus' power that has caused this man to be healed today. And they proclaimed the gospel. They proclaimed the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They called the people to repent and to believe the good news of the gospel. But then the authorities took note of what was going on. And the authorities were not happy because Peter was proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the authorities took Peter and John into custody. The authorities put them into jail overnight. The next day they questioned uh, Peter and John. And once again, Peter and John gave testimony to the authorities of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus. It was Jesus who had caused this man to walk. You know what the authorities said to Peter and to John? They, they couldn't deny the miracle. So they simply commanded them to never preach again in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John says, we cannot help but speak of that which we have seen and heard. And then they said, it's, it's actually more important for us to obey God than to obey men. They didn't know what to do with Peter and John. They took note that, he, that they had been with Jesus. That these men were changed and transformed. And they threatened them even further. Then they didn't know what to do, so they just released them. And this is where we pick up with this morning's text from Acts chapter 4. The man had been healed. They had been taken into custody after preaching the gospel. They had just been released. So Acts chapter 4 verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends, that is the church, and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, or prayed. All prayer is is talking to God. Did you know that all prayer is is just simply telling God what's going on in your life? Opening your heart to him, saying, hey, Lord, here's what's going on. This is exactly what the, the apostles are doing. They're just simply saying, Lord, this is, this is what happened. And we're going to request of you that you would work in this situation. So they lifted their voices to God and then they uh, said, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. 
For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand, your hand, and your plan, his plan, had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, here's the request. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with what? With all boldness. While you stretch out your hand, here's another request. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And what was the result? And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Here ends the reading. What if you had been threatened with imprisonment for sharing your faith? What if the authorities came and said, you, should, you, you can no longer speak in the name of Jesus? And if you speak in the name of Jesus, if you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, we're going to put you in prison. What would you do? What would you do? Would you stop sharing your faith? I hope not. I pray that you, Maple Park, you know, this is a church with an amazing history. It's a history of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community. And it's a history of sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. The impact of this church reaches places that we can't even begin to understand around the world. I hope you would never stop sharing your faith. I pray that you would continue to share Jesus with coworkers, with neighbors, with friends, family. Even, even if your freedom was at stake. Never stop sharing Jesus. Why? Because that's what we've been called to do. We've been called by Jesus to, to spread this message. I pray that, that we would, here at Maple Park, be just like Peter, who said to the authorities, for we cannot speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot help of, to, but to speak of Jesus. But to share your faith, it takes courage, right? It takes boldness. To invite, even to invite somebody to, to come to church takes boldness. To share your testimony with somebody else takes boldness. So that's why we need to pray. Pray first. You see, the, the early church understood that they needed boldness that came from the Holy Spirit. And that's why we pray also for boldness to share our faith with others. And I believe that God grants boldness. I believe the business of prayer for Maple Park Church needs to be the business of praying for boldness in our witness as individuals and as a church. That we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that we would be bold in our witness to this world. So when was the last time you invited someone to Maple Park Church? When was the last time you shared your testimony or faith in Jesus Christ with someone? 
Did you know that people don't come to church or visit churches or uh, just kind of wander into churches normally unless they've been invited or unless somebody has told them about what we actually are all about, which is Jesus? So we need to pray here at Maple Park Church for a boldness in our Christian witness. And for those of you who are stepping up to the plate, man, I, I thank God for you that you are praying for this boldness, that you are praying that God would give you the courage to invite others to know Jesus. So the first point I have today from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31, and by the way, I do have, a, I have sermon notes for you if you'd like to follow along with these four points. Four quick points. What do we learn from the New Testament about the believers and their prayer from Acts chapter 4? Number one, they prayed for boldness to witness. They prayed for boldness to witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They knew that they were going to face opposition and they knew that they would even face death. Did you know that every single one of the apostles, with the exception of John, was martyred, was killed, was murdered for proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ? They knew that persecution was coming. So they prayed for boldness to witness, to witness to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they completed the task of bringing the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So they prayed for boldness to witness. Number two, they trusted God's sovereignty. They trusted God's sovereignty. Did you know that it's hard to be bold in faith for God when you don't trust in him? But when you trust in who he is, boldness is given. The first New Testament believers trusted in God and the Holy Spirit gave them this trust through the gospel and with that trust came boldness. Specifically, they trusted in God's sovereignty. Acts chapter 4, verse 24, and when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, what? Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who is God? What are God's attributes? Well, God's attributes are many. If we were to list all of his attributes, uh, there would probably be too many to list. But one thing that we know about God, one thing that Scripture has revealed to us about who God is, is that he is, he is sovereign. And in that word sovereign or sovereignty, there is a word that, that gives us an idea of what that means, what God's sovereignty means. Right in that word sovereignty is the word reign. God reigns. God rules. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He is the one who is in control. He is on the throne. And when you trust God, when you trust that he reigns over all, there comes a certain boldness, a certain confidence, no matter what you face in life. Sometimes I wake up with anxiety. 
I've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. I've had to go see a therapist. I've had to go to the doctor. Some of you understand what this is all about. Sometimes when I wake up with anxiety, I have to remind myself who's in control here. Who's in control? When I finally connect that in my own mind, that God is in control, there is a peace that comes. There is a peace that comes. When Peter and John were taken into custody, they trusted. They trusted in God and who he was. When they came back to the, rest, to the, to the, to the other believers after they had been released from custody, they, they prayed this way, Sovereign Lord, do you believe that God is sovereign? That he is in control? That he reigns and that he rules? What are you dealing with in your life? What do you face in your life today? What causes you to fear? Know who the king is. Know that he rules and that he reigns. Trust in him. Let go of it. Release it. Say, Lord, this is a burden too great for me to bear. I give it to you. Not only did they, they uh, trust in God's sovereignty, the rule and the reign of God, but they trusted in God's plan. They understood that God had a plan from the very beginning. That God really does have everything mapped out. From, from the creation of the world to the consummation of the age to the new heaven and the new earth, when Jesus comes again, they trusted in God's plan. Even when that plan hurt. Even when that plan hurt. They understood that, that God had a plan that centers on Jesus Christ. And they understood that God is sovereign and in control because, because even though Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, plotted against Jesus, God was the one who predestined for Jesus to be crucified and to rise from death for the salvation of the world. When you believe that God has a plan and that plan centers on Jesus Christ and his salvation for you and for the whole world, every painful experience that you have in life pales in comparison to that which God has planned and prepared for you in this life. Christians have always suffered. They've suffered in every way that everybody else in this world suffers. And they've suffered persecution and they've suffered violent deaths rather than forsake Jesus Christ. Why? Because they trusted in a greater meaning, in a greater plan, something that was greater than and paled in comparison um, to anything that they would face in this life. So today I want you to do something. I have homework for you to take home, but I also have a little thing for you to do today. I want you to write something down. I want you to write down the word hurt. Write down the word hurt. 
How many of you have been hurt? How many of you are hurt? How many of you have experienced pain? I want you to look at that word. And next to it, I want you to write something else. Write this down. God will never waste a hurt. God will never waste a hurt. He never will. He has a plan. He's in control. His purpose centers on Jesus Christ. His purpose centers on bringing you closer to him so that you would experience him and know him and understand his plan from the beginning of time to the consummation of the ages. And you're a part of that. Christians have always suffered, even persecution for the sake of the gospel. And I want to tell you the story of a pastor, a pastor in China. His name's Pastor Lee. And uh, Pastor Lee was, was arrested. He was arrested on the very day that the United States submitted an article to the United Nations calling for censure of China due to human rights abuses. Pastor Lee has been arrested 13 times in six months for illegal preaching in China. Several times uh, in the past, the officials had stated that they didn't want to arrest Pastor Lee, but their orders were coming from a higher authority, and that is the authority of the Chinese government. And when the pastor was taken to prison, he was immediately put into chains. Can you believe that? They actually chained him. They chained him actually... Uh, twice uh, on his uh, ankles, once around his ankles and then to his shins. And they chained him in such a way that he was contorted, that he was uh, bent over uh, in a very horrific position. He couldn't straighten up to relieve the pressure on his back. His jailers left him that way without without word as to why he was being tortured or how long it would last. By the second uh, day, the pain from his shoulders down to his lower back was agonizing. He was certain that if uh, they left him in that position much longer, his back would be permanently damaged. The end of three days, during which he had no food or water, except what was given to him by other prisoners, his hands were released, and he was able to straighten up. After a few days, the pain in his back left. He was thankful that there was no permanent injury. Since his hands uh, were now free, Pastor Lee was forced into doing manufacturing work assigned to the prison. Ironically, it was assembling Christmas lights, Christmas lights that were going to America. The irony is is that many uh, Americans who purchased the lights for their Christmas trees were undoubtedly Christians decorating their home for the holiday season to celebrate the birth of Christ never suspecting that the lights that they were using for that purpose were assembled in a Chinese prison by a Christian pastor who had been arrested for preaching Christ. Uh, Lee needs glasses to read, and he had none in the prison, so he could not see very well to assemble the small Christmas lights. The lights had to be assembled, and they gave him a quota of a minimum of 4,000 lights a day. Any day he failed to meet his quota, he was whipped, His work day started at 6 each morning and did not end until 11 each night. 
a 17-hour day. After two weeks, Pastor Lee was released with a stern warning that he was not to preach again, but he continues to preach. He continues to preach and never speaks ill of those who so often arrest him and caused him great suffering. And this is a quote from Pastor Lee. He says, I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ until I die. Lee has vowed, standing firmly with him through all the persecution are his wife and son, who are both under constant surveillance by the authorities. Wow. Wow. God will never waste a hurt. His plans and purposes may be beyond our ability to comprehend or understand. We simply remain faithful in our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ, remain steadfast in prayer and in our witness to other people. So not only did they trust in God's sovereignty and they trust in God's plan, but they also had this expectation that God would work. They expected God to work. Acts chapter 40, verses 30 through 31. And they prayed, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued, they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Signs, wonders, and miracles. They expected God to work. They expected God to move. Does God work among us? Does he work supernaturally? Are signs, wonders, and miracles for us too? Or are they just a a fantasy of overzealous Christians? I believe they're for us. Specifically, signs, wonders, and miracles are for a mission. They're for a mission. Not for our entertainment, not for our amusement, but they are signs of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ within our community. Every congregation engaged in serious mission, either within their own community here in North America or overseas will experience God at work. God working to bring healing, to bring deliverance, and to perform miraculous signs. It's not for our entertainment. It's not for a show. It's not like the TV preachers that like to make a show of it up on stage. It's for mission. It's to give to our world a visible sign of the resurrection of Jesus Jesus Christ. In my ministry, many people have had their eyes opened through God working in miraculous ways in their lives. God doing things in their lives that they could never explain except for God working and performing a miracle or speaking to them in some supernatural way. If the early church prayed for signs, wonders, and miracles... We too can pray that God would work among us and that God would work in our community. So we too should be praying, praying not only for boldness, but 
for praying for God to be at work in miraculous ways, to awaken our hearts, to awaken our minds, and to show to the world that he is alive, that he is risen, and that he is at work. Not for the sake of our amusement or our entertainment, but miracles are for the sake of the mission, for the sake of the mission. So church, let's be about the business of prayer. Trusting him, believing him, expecting him to work in his ways. So I pray, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, I am a sinner that needs to know how to pray. Lord, teach Maple Park how to pray. Help us to learn what it means to open the doors of our hearts to you. Help us to understand that we are helpless and that faith and trust in you is the only way. And I also say thank you, Lord, for moving. Thank you for moving in this congregation from the early 60s until 2020. God has been at work. We're grateful for that. Let's never lose sight of Jesus and what he wants to accomplish for us. And I also pray, Lord, take us to the bank of prayer. Take us to the bank of prayer where we will obtain the golden blessing of you at work by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and to your glory alone. Amen. Amen.